everyone. I'm Hope Lehman. I'm Camila Richardson. And I'm Marisol Catchings. And welcome to Just Be, a podcast by and for Black women entrepreneurs. Let's get it cracking. Camila's here, present. Greetings, everyone. This is Madi. And welcome back to Just Be, the podcast by and for Black women creative entrepreneurs. Whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> California girls love the woo. Yeah, it's true. That was more like a trap woo. Oh, I like that. Well, in Oakland, they do that. Yay! That's, oh, yeah. That's my favorite. All right, Monty, you want to tell us about what we're about to get into today? All right. So today we are going to talk about some really powerful history in the black community. We're talking about Black Wall Street, Madam C.J. Walker, two historical moments in which we were getting that money. Monty had to clap when she said that. I had to clap. I had to clap. You got to like, getting that money. Really, we wanted to spend some time talking about this to blow up the myth that black folks have never had any wealth in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, our relationship to capitalism is very complicated as entrepreneurs, right? We were literally property of capitalism, right? And that, I'm not gonna lie, when I, I had that epiphany talking to Camila one day and I was like, brain exploded, because like I'm an entrepreneur trying to like create something new and progressive in capitalism. And there's kind of an element of like, can you do that? Capitalism's fundamentally exploitative. And then I was like, well, what does that mean for black people versus, like, other business owners? And I was like, oh, shit. Like, we were literally, like, the property of this system. Mm-hmm. I haven't, I'm sure it's going to take a lifetime to unpack that. What does it mean to go from property to property owner? Hashtag slavery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hashtag we bring up slavery all the time, all day, every day <laughs> in this podcast. I've actually been very impressed with how Hope can bring stuff back to slavery. It's like, I had a bagel and... <laughs> You know, two donut holes. And she was like, and then slavery, when they popped that donut hole out of the, that's how they did the black people on the, I'm like, wow. No. She was able to bring that around again. No. You do. You are able to like link slavery to so much. Oh my god! I don't want to be. I don't want to be that like old gra- like black dad though or grandma that's like, did you know that that was made by a black person? Like, I don't want to be that person. Why? Though. That's awesome. We need that black person. I know, but it's yeah. like ridiculous. It's like it reminds me of the is it the grandpa in the um, the Greek wedding where he's like everything is Greek and he's like the Windex is Greek oh, and yeah. I was just like it's just too much. Like, I mean, I need to bring it back. Like, reel it in. But no, slavery is real though. So, yes. <laughs> so we are going to we gonna talk about Black Wall Street. Before we get into that, we want to do a little bit of reflection about like wealth and like how we feel about that and what the maybe what the hell is wealth. Um, as you guys can tell, I'm an educator, <laughs> so I'm always like defining terms. <laughs> I use this. I have this question a lot that I ask um, folks in workshops I lead when I talk about money and financial empowerment. But what is your own personal relationship with wealth you know like how do you feel about that concept like what's the first thing that comes to mind white people Um. (laughs) that's the first thing that comes to mind with the word wealth 
And I, I would link that back to slavery too, right? Wealth. Mm-hmm. What about for you, Camila? Yeah, I agree. It, when you said that, it reminded me of there was that old uh, Chris Rock sketch where he's like, no, black people can be rich, but white people are like wealthy. Mm-hmm. It's oh. like, oh, yeah, well, like, that's a great so-and-so is rich. Like, like they got a few million dollars, but, you know, Johnson & Johnson is wealthy. Mm. You know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know what I think when I think of wealth, though. Like, but for me, that's how, that's how distorted my view is of money. I have a, I have a difficult time with speaking about money and, you know, managing money and things like that. So, yeah, when I hear wealth, I feel like, oh, that's a word that's not for me. Mm. That's how I feel. I think the first things that come to mind are overwhelmed. I feel mm-hmm. overwhelmed and I feel like, well, I'm not really going to have that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, like, how I feel, which I think I'm more optimistic now Mm -hmm. um, as a business owner because I feel like I have more um, power or I'm more empowered to figure it out. Growing up low-income and poor, it was just like, well, money is a thing that helps you do, like, eat and stuff and do stuff sometimes, but that's it. Yeah. You know, those people over there have, like, you know, get stuff, and this is just my reality. Mm -hmm. It's, like, too overwhelming to even think to face sometimes. Well, I grew up middle class, and I still feel like that's something that's for people over there mm-hmm. on that side of town, upper, mm-hmm. you know, when I hear the word wealth. Now, when I hear the word, like, oh, having money and, you know, mm-hmm. things like that, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's a little bit more familiar for me. But wealth is something that I can't even conceive at this moment. And I'm usually very optimistic about things, but yeah, you are the you are the 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 resident optimistic. Person in this yeah, crew. but that's the one thing where I'm like, I can't even visualize. I need to work on that. I think my my relationship with the word wealth has definitely changed over the last few years. Yeah, I I feel what you're saying. Like I grew up middle class, like I had private school and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, and my parents were were comfortable. But being wealthy sounded something like something that's not us. Right. Mm -hmm. And so but I don't feel like I have a block around it. Like I can't ever be wealthy. Like I feel like I'm working my way toward that. Like I have so many goals and things that I'm working on now to get there. So I don't feel like it's that far away. I feel like it's far away from where I am presently. But like with the things in mind, I don't feel like it's unattainable. That's good. I think for me it's difficult just because I don't have a good relationship with money presently. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like imagining I'm so visual, I'm like an artist, I'm like, oh, a dollar bill and Camila. I'm like, how do you maintain that relationship? Like, you don't... What, what a good relationship look like with money. I don't know. I was like me rolling on a bed of money, just like I'm too practical for that. It's dirty. I'm gonna clean that situation. I do wanna have like a like a money throw one day. I'm like, just do it with some dollar bills and go over it. <laughs> oh, I've definitely had that moment. But see, that's my bad. My, I didn't even have it to do at that time, but I just did it because it was, yeah, you know, the mood was right. I was in the right setting. If you can imagine where I was, where it was appropriate to throw dollar bills. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where are you going with this? I was like, your bedroom. <laughs> no, I don't want to share the dollar bills. I just want to throw them with myself. Like, oh, okay. Oh, yes. I want, I want that too, but oh, now I forgot what point I was making with the story. 
<laughs> we got off track. I got off track. Anyway, to get back on track, I don't have a good relationship with money. Well, I hope we can improve that. I'm working on it. With our financial empowerment segment. I mean, I also think, like, in closing, like, I, growing up, I didn't actually know the difference between rich and wealthy until I got older, like, out of college, I think. Mm-hmm. Someone had to break it down for me. I didn't I didn't even know there was a difference. <laughs> it was just, like, just a lot of money versus a lot, you know, like, mm-hmm. what is the difference? Like, you were saying, like... Like the Johnson and Johnson, right? Versus, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know who's rich. Jay Z or something. Okay. <laughs> it's like the being able to own things that bring in equity and like that whole situation was so far from my reality that I was like, oh snap. Like you can, and even now, like now I'm obsessed with this topic and I like do research and I like pay attention to the wealth inequality and the gap and. And I follow politics, so I hear about Trump's crazy cabinet and, like, how much money they have and that, like, spending, like, half a million dollars ain't shit. And I'm just like, word? Like, I'm just like, <laughs> just give me $100,000. Just give me a little bit. Like, I'm like, you can just, you wouldn't miss it, you know? Just, mm-hmm. like, give it to me. Like, it's, like, it's crazy how people are literally, like, that's the wealth inequality here, that people are literally swimming. They have so much abundance of money that, like, that they literally could probably just one day be like, 100,000 100, to Camila, 100,000 mm-hmm. to Mari, and just, like, and it wouldn't even matter. Mm-hmm. Like, they'd be like, eh, that's like bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I remember the first time I learned of people who were, like, born and didn't have to work because their family was so wealthy, and how that, like, blew my mind. I was like, oh, so you just get to, like... Live? Live? <laughs> and never have to have a job? Not one day your entire life? Like, it's optional. Like, it's optional to work? Or you just, like, start a foundation or become a socialite or... Investor. Mm-hmm. Investor. Like... It's deep. I remember when I... Yeah. And people are like, oh, people inherit, like, you know, inherit wealth. And, you know, they have trust funds, so they never have to work ever a day in their life. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out, you know, then then I'm trying to figure out, like, one, like, I do want to build wealth as well, but, like, how do you maintain, you know, how am I going, how would I raise my children having money when I haven't had it? Like, all this baggage comes up, and I've seen mm-hmm. it in my own family, too, of, like, how do you actually make sure, like how do you make sure that they understand the struggle or whatever, whatever you need them to understand, having more privilege. And it's like, I want them to have more privilege. Like, I don't want to be struggling. Like, my mom was struggling. That shit sucked, right? Mm -hmm. But then there's, like, I think in, like, in the activist community, I really love that folks are, like, realizing, like, no, I need to get paid for my service. But there's, like, baggage around, like, you can't, you can't actually help poor people and make money because that's counterintuitive. That's contradictory, to make so much more money than the person that you're helping. But I'm like, but it's not about, but first off, that model is like broken because it's not about helping folks, just helping them. It's about changing the structure that makes them poor in the first place. And like, as long as you're doing that, like, yeah, people need to get paid. Mm-hmm. Like we have to, mm-hmm. we have to, I mean, the work that we, I feel like the work that folks of color do is like worth, like it's invaluable. It's worth so much. It's worth like half a million dollar paycheck. But in our society, that's not how things go down. I'm scared of this conversation. But I'm ready. It just got so heavy and deep. Like, ha. All right. All right. You all going to need to take a breather. I was like, to the listeners out there, like, please, you might need to burn like some sage, some candles, whatever. Palo Santo, something. Yeah. Hold copal, like, hold like some, some gems or some rocks or something because, yeah, this is heavy stuff. And I do think, like, you know, we want to provide a breather for you guys. 
before we get into it <laughs> even more. <laughs> breathe in, breathe out. We'll be back. All right, welcome back, y'all. So now we want to get into, like, actually a very beautiful moment in history to start, which is about Black Wall Street um, and about the fact that Black folks have built wealth in this country and have been able to in times that were, like, crazy, um, political eras that were really rough, um, and that we have had self-sustaining communities and businesses before. Um, And there's, we're going to focus on Black Wall Street, but I would argue there's a few other examples of this as well. It's not just um, this example that we're talking about. I'll give a shout out. I think I would say Harlem in New York is one of those communities. I would also offer Chatham in Canada for those who know about that. It's like I also extra heard about credit. one in uh, North Carolina, South Carolina. It starts with a W. Wellington? I have Wellington? No, I have no mm-hmm. idea. I'm going to have to look it up. Yeah. Yeah. I'll Google it. So um, we're going to we're gonna get paint a picture about Black Wall Street and like what the heck all of that is about. Some folks may already know about this. I know Camila was putting me on game and then I did more research and I was like, oh, wow. So Black Wall Street refers to a suburb of Tulsa, Oklahoma, known as Greenwood, Oklahoma. Um, and it was also known as Little Africa. Um, but again, the name Black Wall Street because of the vibrant black community that lived there, the business, the businesses that were all black owned. And the, I mean, the community was literally like self-sustaining at that time. And to go into some details, I think y'all could add if you'd like, but they had over 600 businesses. They had a hospital, they had their own hospital. They had two theaters, um, movie theaters or like, well, maybe like, I'm like, I'm like theater theaters. (laughs) Cinema. Yeah. There were six black families that owned their own planes. At the time. Okay. So that's amazing. Mm -hmm. They had hospitals. They had libraries. They had medical schools owned by black people. They had schools, the bus system. And what what years were this? Like what around what time period is this? The summer of 1921. 1921. That's like. It says during Reconstruction. So after slavery and. Yeah, before the 1920s. So between, like, slavery and the 1920s. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, the unchecked sort of racial resentment blew blew up at that point when the young black man in Tulsa was accused of, um, of rape of the elevator, the white woman who was operating the elevator. And it could have been, I think, anything. It was, it was, the situation was just, it was just saturated with tension and it was going to blow up. Mm-hmm. Um, and the state, and it was state sanctioned. Like, it wasn't, like, the, go- the government and the mayor... Oklahoma was did not want to see black people succeed. There's no way. Like, it was just like... So, the riot. So, we're getting into the riot now. So, in 1921, the World War One veterans that were um, recruited into the Ku Klux Klan... So, it was organized by the Klan, but it was... I think it was just organized by white men who were upset. Just white people. But they... I think the thing well, that... that's what the Klan feeds on, is that kind of frustrated energy and... Yeah, it's... it's resentment. Raci- yeah, well, and it's racial resentment that the powers that be used to stay in power. Like, it's the structure was set up that way in slavery. So they're, that's what they're doing. And the, and the irony is, again, that, like, poor low-income white folks are manipulated all the time by this power structure. Like, everyone's mm-hmm. a loser in this system, mm-hmm. in my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I found really interesting, actually, because, you know, it's like, oh, like, folks went in and just, like, burned it up and killed people. Like, no, this was a military action. Because these were... these. 
the fact that there were so many inventors in the space that they literally invaded Black Wall Street like it was, you know, like France in World War One. Mm. They literally used military tactics to t- to destroy that community, mm-hmm. and that was like what? Like they they came they came in on trucks with men and with guns. They they literally dropped bombs, t- turpentine bombs, bombs yeah. on the buildings. Like they and then they said it was systematically burned, mm-hmm. and so and the systematic burned was they went in, they looted the houses and took all of the things that black folks had. And you know this is deep because it's like you have things that are better than me. And that's not fair. That's not right because we, you know, because we, because you're black and you're supposed to be less than I am, right? Less than a human. You're not actually human. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take what you have because I deserve it because I'm white. And then I'm going to burn your shit down. And they did that systematically block by block. And they destroyed every single building and every business. And the church, and the church, the Mount, I think it was Mount Zion Baptist Church, was, had just been finished 40 days earlier. Mm-hmm. And they dropped bombs on it. Airplanes flew over and dropped bombs on it. Yep. Mm. And I think 9,000 people were displaced. They had no homes to go back to. Yeah, 9,000 fo- 9, people were left homeless, and they estimate that uh, 300 African Americans were murdered. Wow. You know, like, they would just show up, shoot them, and take their stuff. And then the National Guard was sent in. But guess what the National Guard did? They removed the black people from the space and let the white people, like, take out their anger and finish they, what the fuck they were doing. Yeah. I'm, like, dropping F-bombs now. And... I mean, it makes you angry. It's okay. And yeah. and the black folks were in internment camps temporarily. They used that term, internment camps. Wow. So that they could be... And the argument is, like, we're trying to protect you from the situation. And there were, there were black men that were also veterans that, um, def- try, uh, you know, attempted to... to um, defend their community right Mm -hmm. but they're outnumbered you know and like you know that's that's what happened like in 1921 they burned it to the ground wow and it's important for us to hear this history like and i honestly i've know like i know of other stories of this happening in different regions as well across the country but like really understanding what that means to have built something from the, your hands, right? As a maker, like people were back then, people were building their own houses, <laughs> right, right. you know, like I built this from the ground up. I started my business from the ground up. I did what America said you're supposed to do, build, you know, built yourself up from your bootstraps, the American dream of meritocracy. And it doesn't matter because the power system and the power structure is that you are not human. And, you know, you better stay in your lane because we're going to come for you. I was reading an article that um, on Ebony, the writer said that uh, a Palestinian woman had asked her about why black folks haven't asked for reparations. And the writer said that was a hard question, right? And I think it's, I mean, it's hard for me too. And I think there's a lot of reasons why I think the black struggle in this country looks very different than other other countries, different or similar. But I think it's deep when we, like, when this, when it's state sanctioned, like, it's one thing if it's, like, some, I don't know, like, some thugs that the state is, like, that's bad. You know, like, we could get them in trouble, like, they could actually go to jail. Mm-hmm. But when the state sanctions it and the government and the, the, the police officer and the judge and the Supreme Court and the mayor and the, you know, like, right. you just go up the ladder and everybody's involved. Mm-hmm. Everybody's, like, this is how it is. This is the power structure. I actually do believe that you're inhuman. And you don't really deserve this. It doesn't matter that you built it from your hands. Like, that's a different reality. Like, how do you struggle within that reality and fight back? I think it looks different. Like, it can't be judged as, like, we didn't come to arms and just fight back. Like, it looks different. We have to honor, like, how we've, how we've struggled through that. 
Mm-hmm. All right, that was a lot. I'm gonna take a, I'm gonna take a breather. I'm like, let's take a breath, that and then was let's. So heavy. I'm curious what you guys. <laughs> yes. Thank you for sharing that history with us. I think that is important to know because when you see, and I hope our listeners, if they get a chance, go and take a look at some of the pictures of Black Wall Street. It is beautiful. But I think the story is important to know because when you see it has been done, you're like, okay, if they if they did that, if they accomplished that with what they were up against, it can be done Way today. Back then. Yeah. And we're up against, you know, less than they were. Well, we're up against the same thing in a different structure. In a different structure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like I mean, it definitely wasn't you know, I have to honor that that we're not there in the past. But mm-hmm. I do think I do think it could return to that in a different way. And I do think the struggle is still hard. Very hard. We f- I mean, I f- we feel it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But do you feel do you feel encouraged to knowing that it was done? Yeah, I think I think for me it makes me it does galvanize me to be more brave. And when I say brave and have courage, I mean like actually be honest and speak up when I'm at tables. And I have been at those tables before, like in tech diversity um, spaces. And I do think I'll continue to have different opportunities as an entrepreneur and in those spaces. I want to. But I'm still trying to figure out how to be brave and actually speak the truth, right? Speak truth to power, like talk mm-hmm. about these things. Because professionalism is used a lot to silence people. Oh, you need to be professional. Mm-hmm. It's not professional to bring that up. Mm-hmm. I've seen people who are really gangsters at it who know how to talk the talk and like really like hold themselves in those moments. But it's hard. Melanie Hobson. We love you, by the way. Well, I love you. No, Melanie, but... Hob- no, Melanie Hobson's dope, but Melanie Hobson has, has built a career where yeah. it's like you have a right to say something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, re- I'm trying to build up the courage and bravery to say something anyways, even though I don't have a PhD or a master's, my my views and my opinion matter, and they're valid, and I have experience still that's willing to be mm-hmm. shared. I have good ideas. Like, I need to be, I need to make sure that, I need to recognize that right now, I need to be more brave right now. I mean, I feel like in Black Wall Street, like, those folks were probably young, like, they migrated to Oklahoma, they built their stuff, they didn't need to have all them degrees, like, mm-hmm. they made it happen. Some mm-hmm. people did. Some people. Were Some doctors, people definitely had their degrees. Doctors and lawyers, <laughs> yeah. right? But I think we got to be careful about privileging certain types of identities because I've I've had people say that to my face, like, "Well, you need to do your work and you need to put in your time before you speak up," oh. and that's oppressive. Yeah, no, that is. You know, it it does look different now. Like I I think that we can we can build that. But I also think that we need to like back then people were like, okay, we don't have anywhere to go from here, right? Nowhere to go but up. We've just come out of this really terrible, oppressive situation like 20 years ago. Slavery? Slavery. (laughs) And not that I wasn't trying to... (laughs) But yes, we've just come out of slavery. We don't have, like, we've already been at the bottom. Let's work our way up. Make some way out of no way. They did that. And I feel like now the system that's in place, we've become very complacent with where we are in society. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not happy there, but we're comfortable because this is what we know. This is what we know. This is what we've known for the last 100, 100 or more years. It's different because I feel like we're not, we don't necessarily look at, look at ourselves as being at the bottom right now, right? We didn't just come out of slavery, and so all of us don't feel united enough to build something like that Mm -hmm. and we don't have the values around it either 
Like, we don't have the values around it right now to say, okay, I'm valuable, like, you're valuable, we're all valuable, and so let's put these thoughts toward building something where we can, we are self-sustainable because like right now we have options we can we can go to the white store mm-hmm. on the corner we can go to the indian store on the corner we can we don't have mm-hmm. we're not stuck in this one area where we only can you know buy or barter from each other yeah yeah i like what you said about the value part though because in becoming an entrepreneur you do have to value yourself and your product or your knowledge or your whatever you have to offer. Mm-hmm. And you're right. With wanting to grow a community like that, you have to value yourself and value your community. Mm-hmm. And if you don't value those things, maybe you won't feel... You're not going to contribute. Contribute and you don't feel like there's necessarily a need to build these things up. Are you thinking? Are you saying that we don't have as much value as... The folks of of Black Wall Street's community because where it's a different historical context or po- like political and economic. You know, it's it's kind of like when you go through a struggle with somebody else. So I'm gonna not that this this is a self chosen struggle, right? When people join like fraternities and sororities. Okay, so people <laughs> do go through these experiences with other, you know, with other people in Mm -hmm. their school, and they're like, okay, now we have a brotherhood, we have a sisterhood in this particular line of people that I've Mm -hmm. gone through this experience with. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I feel like... So they're trying to recreate the oppression. No, I'm just teasing. (laughs) I'm like, let me not go there. We're not gonna leave. We're just, yeah, slavery and for... (laughs) Like, it's it's already oppressive. I do think what you're speaking to is that I do think, I do think, yes, black communities have been, I think we are more disconnected now but I think that's maybe by design well and actually I wanted to come back to what happened after the the riot to Greenwood Oklahoma Black Wall Street after after the riot they um black folks were still segregated to Greenwood so they destroyed it and they were like go back there oh, okay um black feet folks are so magical and resilient that they just built like I mean there are definitely a lot of folks I think who left forever never mm-hmm. came back mm-hmm. like migrated somewhere else but there are definitely folks who stayed who who just built whatever they could and they were they built things out of they built homes out of crates and and wood and whatever wood they could get their hands on wow i'm pretty sure that they weren't allowed access to building materials in the same way like the the mayor and the and the government did whatever they could they didn't help at all by the way this was mm-hmm. all on their own they did they real they rebuilt the community as much as they could on their own and then they were able to rebuild the church that got bombed as well the bo- church was destroyed with a $50,000 mortgage still owed Oh my God! And and guess what? They black people are so magical that they it took a few decades they rebuilt it and they paid off the mortgage. <laughs> like, mm. but the community did get rebuilt, and they said that there was another boom in the nineteen thirties and forties, and then that really what happened that what really destroyed um, Black Wall Street in the modern day sense was um, they talked about desegregation, killed black businesses because they had a captive market, like you were saying, Lottie. Mm-hmm. Um, and folks could now go to white businesses and they wanted to. The And then the urban renewal movement in the 1950s and 60s led to an interstate highway being built right down the middle of Greenwood, Oklahoma. Uh-huh. Just building a highway right through our community. Something yeah. similar just happened in Louisiana, in New Orleans, in Treme. I was there for Mardi Gras. And there was a street, and I apologize, I can't remember the name of it, but um, so they were telling me there was a street where it was nothing but black businesses. And the city came through and built a highway 
tore down all the businesses and built a highway right through where all those black businesses are or used to be. Well, and even in the Bay here in our own backyard in, in, in Bayview Hunters Point, which is in San Francisco, um, and then also in West Oakland, when they built the BART in West Oakland that killed black businesses in West Oakland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then in Bayview, when they built the T-Train, also public transportation killed black business in Bayview. I think also in when they built that um, that segment of freeway here in Oakland, like through West Oakland, um, oh, before the, the earthquake. earthquake. Yeah. Mandela. The Mandela Highway, right? Yeah, the one that collapsed. Yeah, and that just, ooh, that gets me upset and I mean for me I'm like that speaks to like political power and like our ability to fight that stuff you know like mm-hmm. no you can't build here right because they're not going to build it through other communities that have more political power mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. something that's like really beautiful though and they did talk about this that in Oklahoma that there's like well and I would argue this is national but like in Oklahoma itself and in Tulsa there's a conspiracy of silence about Black Wall Street and and really the genocide of that city. One of, we were, you were playing um, a prof- Oh, Dr. Du Bois Watkins. Yeah, Dr. Du Bois Watkins saying that he went there and he asked some young people in the neighborhood in Tulsa and they had no idea, what, they had never heard of Black Wall Street. So literally living and standing where Black Wall Street used to be, they had no idea of the story. That's a national thing because I, like, I'm pissed off that I don't didn't know about that growing up, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's... That's deep, like... Yeah, I didn't learn until college. Uh, but the one thing... That, I didn't learn until a few years ago. Well, and I'm not going to lie, I didn't... And I'm in my 30s. Well, and I didn't really get... <laughs> I had heard of it, but I didn't really get the full picture until, you know, this month. So, like, let's keep it, let's keep it real. All right, so after sharing kind of like where Greenwood's at today. And I feel like the energy in this space is like, we're like hella heavy, which is real. Like it's real. And I guess I'm curious about like, like how do we negotiate this tough history? Right. You know, I do think sometimes there's like an element of like, even for black folks, like it's like, Oh, like I don't really want to talk about it. It's too painful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, like with slavery, I don't want to talk about slavery. We were Kings and Queens. Right. Mm hmm. But it's like, how do we, I mean, we're obviously very pro talking about it, but like, (laughs) but how do we negotiate the heaviness of it, you know? Like, how do we, like, what is the power of sharing this history? And then how do we, how do we stay inspired? I think for me, the power is knowing about it, Mm -hmm. knowing this history, knowing that this has been done and that gives me, it inspires me to think that it can be done again. Yeah, like, we are capable of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the message, the racist message is that we are not. Yeah, it needs to be shared because otherwise it's erasing our history. Mm-hmm. And it's erasing positive and happy parts of our history because, I mean, for a while there, they were really thriving, right, mm-hmm. a- in Greenwood. And, you know, not sharing this history is, is a problem. We need to know it because, you know, though it ended in a, in a really terrible way, we also kind of need to see, you know how this system keeps oppressing us so Mm -hmm. not just saying like oh there was slavery and then that's it or like uh, Mm -hmm. separating the issues like no this is a continual thing Mm -hmm. and so we need to see how that's working and then decide if we start early with children right letting them know history like this is what happened maybe not super young children because i don't want them to just be like really sad but (laughs) (laughs) they need to know this history they need to know their history and they need to know that you know things like this are possible Mm -hmm. we need to know that things like this are possible right now like 
we we need to know that there's something more. Mm-hmm. Like we we have power. Yeah, black so. folks black folks have power and <laughs> we people, have power. We and do. I mean and that and people are afraid of that power. Oh yeah. Like this is a story about white folks being afraid of the power that we hold. Aren't we just so magical? Black people are so magical. They're so amazing. They're so it's a, it is a miracle. That's what Black Dr. Joy said. Yeah. We are a miracle. Mm-hmm. Like scientifically because Oh, yeah. With trauma, the level of trauma we've experienced, it's like actually like why are you still functioning well? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, awakening or something going on. I can't explain it, but I definitely can feel it. And when I look at other black people, you know, and kind of give them that wink, eyebrow lift, they can feel it too. Black woman is God. Black woman is God. That's a whole another episode. I that just figured it out. That is a whole another episode. <laughs> yeah, we should get. Anyways, there was an art exhibit in Oakland. Shout out to Black Woman Is God. Yes, I shout out. at the exhibit. Yes, I did. At also, the launch. also at Soma Arts in the city, and the opening was amazing. Like it was so beautiful. Uh, but I like that. We are miracles. What did you say? We are miracles. We are miracles. We are miracles. <laughs> All right. So f- final question for you guys. I think we've already talked about whether or not we think Black a uh, Black Wall Street today is possible, but my question is how could we create another Black Wall Street? I say yes, we do. Now, how we go about it, I'm not good at logistics. Nope. <laughs> You're the visionary? <laughs> I'm the visionary. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of work. Well, I think some people are doing it already. I'm mm-hmm. trying to mm-hmm. I'm trying to think about some places that are kind of like that already, like where black folks are moving back or I, I just heard recently Raleigh Durham is getting a lot of um remigration back to mm-hmm. the South. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In different oh, cities. Yeah. I've had some friends that tell me Raleigh is getting ready to be it. I actually looked into Buying property there? <laughs> Migrating down to Raleigh. Oh yeah. They're... I think Charlotte is also, like, mm-hmm. on the rise. Mm-hmm. But I heard that a lot of black people are moving there, opening businesses. Oh, I'm not surprised. I had a friend tell me, and this is the way she worded it. She said, Raleigh is getting ready to be what Atlanta was in early 2000s. She said it's going to be a lot of black people doing things. Mm-hmm. Nice. But she said it's because a lot of people are moving from Atlanta and other areas, Texas and other areas, to Raleigh. Have to check it out. Mm-hmm. I think for me, you know, I guess I'm the details person. <laughs> I'm not the <laughs> I'm the details. But I think for me, I think a lot about, like, logistically, how would we do it? And, I mean, I think it's about, we, obviously, we need, like, political power. We need money. Um, but I think about how do we stop race, racial resentment from taking it away, right? Because I don't think mm-hmm. there's any question that we can do it. I think Black Wall Street speaks to that, right? Mm-hmm. It's just how do we stop the powers that be and protect ourselves and set boundaries and create laws that make that illegal. Like, you can't do that. <laughs> and we have communities that back us up because it's going to take everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to take yeah. allies and everybody to back us up. And that we know that we want to create a world where that is okay. Like, no. It's like, also this gonna, is how it is here. Yeah. It's also going to take ourselves, too. That was one of the things I was thinking when you were saying how what is what would make this possible is... Uh, not if not everybody almost everybody needs to be on board for mm-hmm. it to work i mean i do i feel the energy here in oakland for black businesses and we i mean the energy's here for sure like we feel it we're i mean we're a part of it mm-hmm. <laughs> like black women are hungry um we out here and mm-hmm. um 
but we're just trying to figure out how to put the nuts and bolts together, right? How to get the resources yep. and the investment and the, mm-hmm. and still have ownership and not get played. And, and then, you know, the market out here is insane with housing and property and business ownership. So that's not in our favor mm-hmm. <laughs> out here at all. I feel the energy out here as well, though. We got the power. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a break, but we're going to wrap up with a new segment called Mama, We Made It. So stay tuned. Don't leave. y'all we're back and we are introducing our new segment of mama we made it here we are going to ask each other you know what what is your mama i made it dream i effing made it i had to clap again (laughs) (laughs) we gotta stop money from like hitting things she's like but yeah like camila what what's your mama i made it like what is that that moment what, for What's going to make you open the door at your mom's house and mm-hmm. be like, mama? My mom don't want nothing to do with my mama I made it uh, <laughs> experience because it is not mama friendly. Oh, no. It is oh. Be, my mama I made it, I'm going to have the most turned up, slightly ignorant vacation with my friends and loved ones is going to be so ridiculous and I feel like if I'm able to do that for me that's what will make me feel like I've arrived I took these people that are important in my life on a vacation I wasn't caring about who got that extra bottle of Don or something for dinner (laughs) (laughs) we are just living life experiencing the world through travel and luxury. Are you going to invite your mama to this vacation? Oh, no, no, no. No, I will have to take my mama on a separate vacation (laughs) because this vacation is going to be so turned up and like, like I said, slightly ignorant. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Sprinkle of it. (laughs) Yes. I'm scared. I have no idea where we're going to go, but we might act a fool. No, uh, we are definitely going to get kicked out of a place. That's for sure. Oh. <laughs> you are so funny. I want to go, but I don't want to get kicked out, though. <laughs> I know. I'll be like the mediator. We're not going to get kicked out of I'll a hotel, in... but we may get kicked out of like a club. I'll be incognito. Or a restaurant or something like that. I'll like, be incognito. There's... That'd be hella creep. That's my mama made it. So oh, what's you yours? Feeling? Well, that one sounds a lot more exciting than mine. I'm hella practical. No. Um... <laughs> No, my, I mean, my mama, I made it. I mean, of course I would love for that to happen. But I do think that my mama, I made it will be like, mom, I was able to hire a team of folks and pay them like 60K each. Like a livable wage in the bay. Mm-hmm. Right. 60K with a roommate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I was able to like get them a one bedroom apartment. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm trying to say is. I want to be able to pay people like real money and pay them well and with their worth and with their their potential and and that like I have a business that does that. I mean that's the dream for Just Be. Mm-hmm. That's my dream for Just Be the collective yeah. because I just see I'm so exhausted coming from the nonprofit space that so many talented people are underpaid, overworked, mm-hmm. and that that's the expectation, that's the norm, and that mm-hmm. when I bring it up 
it's like crickets in the room like well but that's the way it is like love is one thing but i'm not trying to die early just because like it's like martyred martyrdom syndrome mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so anyways i mean that also means i would be able to pay myself well as well so mm-hmm. when i know when i could pay everyone in the company like a real livable wage and we're like thriving and we're and we're successful like for me that's like i have made it like what like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know i think the real revolution is in how we structure restructure and reshape like our businesses and our and how we do things yeah like social justice for me is like how do i do it in a way that's actually humane Mm -hmm. and like that allows people to thrive you're so sweet now i feel bad about (laughs) mine oh (laughs) what about for you money what's your mama you made it you busted through the door yeah my mama you made it doesn't look like either of yours (laughs) that's great i love it i love the note i see myself well off i've published you know, a few books, and I'm somewhere talking to, like, women and black and brown couples Mm. about how to maintain, like, sanity and happiness and being centered, and, like, I feel like I've learned over, like, the last three years, like, just a lot of tools that have helped me to, like, manifest what it is that I want in my Mm -hmm. life. Workshop? I guess, like, a workshop. I just kind of, like, want to talk to people about my, yeah, experience. Oh, are you saying for, like, just be, like, having a workshop? Are you hosting a workshop on manifesting? That's what I... That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I think I think that I th- I feel like just seeing myself on on stages or in rooms with people like talking to them about these different things, mm. like talking to them about raising children and being, you know, culturally conscious and making sure you know like you have all of the things that you want your children to thrive as black and brown children because my children are going to be black and brown, and so you know maintaining like a a healthy relationship with your partner and I don't know I, I see myself on stage just talking to people and I feel like then I will I will feel like I made it like I want to help other people like I want to give them the tools that I've learned like hey these mm-hmm. are some tools really easy you know mm-hmm. it's 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 work but you know shit doesn't have to be hard like yeah. this so oh I love that because I can't think of anyone who talks about like love and family and relationship. Yeah. I don't want it to be like, you need to do this, but it's just like, you know, mm-hmm. I've done this and this is what's worked so far. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like these are some tools and you can use them in different ways. You know, everyone builds something different, but use them. Be happy. I like that. Now I really feel bad about <laughs> <laughs> No, that's good. We need you, the visionary. You're, You're the visionary. Like, I want to help people. You're like, I want See, people but we, but to have great families and I feel fall like, in like, love. But and we I'm need like, ratchet flex. moments too, though. Like, <laughs> but you're the, you're the visionary. I feel like Maddie's like the people inclusive person. I'm in the details and the weeds. So and I'm, I'm like, I want to flex on the world. All right, y'all. Well, all right, you guys. Well, thank you guys for coming back and listening again. And I know this episode was a little heavy, but we made it through and we also got some info and some good laughs out of it. Make sure you subscribe and tell us your Mama I Made It. Yes. In a review. We want to read them. All right. Ashe. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to our show. Please leave a five-star rating and a positive review. And don't forget to share us with your friends because you know at least one black woman entrepreneur. And you know they're going to love us. So you can find us at justbeoak.com and on all the social media as Just Be Oak. You can find us individually as at FTD Collective, at Azteca Negra, and at Rich and Riot. Awesome. And we would like to do a few thank yous. First, we'd like to thank United Roots and Green Eyed Media for our recording space and equipment. We'd also like to thank our beat makers, Brother Ajman and Vinny Bells. And we'd like to thank y'all, our listeners. Y'all are so awesome. Gracias. You can find all the info from today's show in our show notes. Just look below. And we will see y'all next week. Holla. Bye. Peace out. <laughs>